When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe and Amber, the podcast. All right, boys and girls, let's have some fun. Alongside Tyler Folgem, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And if you've never seen us on TV, come join us this week. ESPN 2, weeknights, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, daily wager. Best bet tonight was the Blue Jays not looking good so far. Down 3 yeah, shame. You got to bounce back on that one. We're going to try to bounce back on that one. We've got a lot to get to in this upcoming hour. Right now, we want to head out to Indianapolis. Nate Atkins, Colts beat writer for the Indianapolis Star, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Nate, first and foremost, we appreciate the time, so thanks for jumping on with us. There's a lot we want to dive into here. I, I want to open with this, though. Jim Mercer's comments, Jonathan Taylor, all that stuff, just – what is the overall sense being around the team, being around the fans, the practices right now? Is it tense? How's everyone feeling? Yeah, so right now, just being out there at practice every day, it's this kind of weird competing emotions of uh, certainly tense and, and frustration over the Jonathan Taylor situation, confusion. And then there's, you know, there's the excitement and the hope with Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen here. And so, you sort of have these things going on at the same time where the Anthony Richardson's out there every day, except today when he had a nose procedure, but every day he's been out there and he's uh, every single thing he does gets a lot of you know noise from the crowd and applause and the kids are coming out, they're fired up about him. And he's, you know, at least once or twice a practice making the type of play that shows you why he was the number four pick. And everyone just gets so excited because he's the first quarterback they've drafted in the first round since Andrew Luck. But at the same time, there's you know, Jonathan Taylor on the sidelines with a hood up, uh, not very much engaged. And then kind of every story that comes out is, you know, is often about him. And just Saturday night was kind of the encapsulation of all of this where you had Anthony Richardson out there on the field first night practice in front of the fans. But, you know, I spent that practice at the edge of the field watching a luxury bus where Jim Irsay was meeting with Jonathan Taylor for an hour uh, to ultimately decide that they didn't have a resolution and that they were going to move forward with his trade requests or on the cold side, not move forward. So you have a lot of things going on right now, a lot of mixed emotions, and I'm curious to see kind of which wins out in the end. Uh, Nate, I'm curious about this potential situation with Taylor going on the non-football injury list. What can you tell us about what that is, what the Colts' motivations may be, and what might happen or what it might cost Jonathan Taylor if he's on that list? So the non-football injury list is different from the list he's currently on, which is the physically unable to perform. Just kind of how it sounds is that if it's an injury that took place away from the team facility and team activities, even if it was training for football, you know, it qualifies a player to go on the non-football injury list, which makes them not uh, basically not entitled to their salary come the regular season. And it gets to the point where if they're out for, six games and it's a player in a contract year, then the contract year essentially doesn't count. And then the contract year is next year. So this right now is just a threat from the Colts to Jonathan Taylor to say, Hey, we need you to come out here, practice, get back into the fold, get back into this team or risk in not making money 
this season and not becoming a free agent even next year as you want to. And, of course, Jonathan Taylor is refuting uh, the claims that they're making about it being related to a back injury that happened training elsewhere. He's claiming that he never has said he had any back pain or any back injury. So that's the part that's hard to sift through is that obviously if there's no injury, they can't put him on that list. Colts are claiming that there is an injury and they have a chance to put him on that list. So that's where this whole thing is kind of messy. Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star joining Joe Fornball and Tyler Foljam here on ESPN Radio. Is there a resolution here that works for both sides? Is there something that can be done where Taylor's happy, the Colts are happy, and everyone moves forward? Or is this a situation where someone or both parties are still going to be very aggrieved heading into the season? The longer this goes on, the harder it is to see a resolution. You know, Before that bus meeting, before the trade request became something out there in the public eye. I had thought that the one option that they might have is to come together and plan a meeting for some time early in the fall, say maybe mid-September, which would give them enough time to see how Jonathan Taylor comes back from the ankle surgeries and if he has this back issue or not. That would give them a chance to see how it all fits together for Shane Steichen with Anthony Richardson and a new offense, but would also give Jonathan Taylor a sort of target date to where he doesn't have to make it, you know, risk everything for 17 games of a brutal position where he would have a chance to sit down with them, you know, and iron out a deal that would, it's not what they've done with past players uh, where they, they always get deals done at this time, but I felt like that'd be a compromise between no deals and the type of deal Taylor's expecting to already have by now. But the problem is, you know, they sat on a bus for an hour and they tried to find that kind of compromise and they couldn't. And the Colts right now are very dug in on the fact that they don't want to sign, you know, make an offer to him at all this fall. So unless they reverse course on that, it's it's hard to see. And I think the more that this goes on where there's, you know, sh- shots going back and forth and refuting each other and, you know, potentially, you know, leaking info that may or may not be true, like both sides get more and more upset at the other and, and starts to wonder, do they even want to be in a long-term commitment with this other party? So it just right now feels like something that's, going to eventually end in a divorce. The thing is, we have absolutely no idea if that's going to be weeks or a year or two to three years at this point. Yeah, before this whole Jonathan Taylor saga started to unfold before our eyes, much of the headlines about this Colts team this offseason were written concerning the excitement over having a new head coach in Shane Steichen coming over from the Eagles. Their first-round draft pick, Anthony Richardson, literally – the most physically gifted athlete to play the position of quarterback coming out of college in the history of the NFL when you consider size, arm strength, and speed the way he tested. So, so much optimism for what that could become. And then you have this Taylor thing kind of um, as the black cloud looming. My concern for Anthony Richardson is if Jonathan Taylor is not there, that definitely makes his transition to the NFL harder because Taylor is still an elite-level talent that defense would have to account for and make life easier for Richardson. So, what has you guys who've been covering this team every day seen from Richardson and his acclamation to the NFL under a first-year head coach? And what might the um, effects be on Richardson's development as a rookie if Taylor's not around? So Anthony's been fun to watch out here because it's truly like a young kid growing up before our eyes into a franchise quarterback. You know, he got here and he got drafted and he was not even 21 years old yet. He'd only started 13 games above high school and he has a sort of the boyish joy though for the game and so we're seeing him out there where today he had to sit out for a a nose procedure just for one day but they're trying they're holding him back from 
being out on the field. He was trying to sneak out there for practice at different moments. So he badly wants to learn this. And, you know, but, but he has a long way to go, too. He shows that upside. He shows some of these incredible rollouts and throws 60 yards down the field. But he has a long way to go in terms of his accuracy and decision-making and consistency as a thrower. And that's where the idea here was they want to play him early to get him reps and experience, but to do it in a way that's not going to have just results that, that hurt everybody was to really thrive in the run game. And that's where Jonathan Taylor with Anthony Richardson in that Eagles-style offense with heavy quarterback run, uh, they, they would like to lead the league in rushing attempts this year. And then obviously rushing success, similar to the way the Eagles did last year with Jalen Hurst to really get him going. That's where Taylor matters in this whole thing is that Taylor is the one back they have a chance of getting who has that explosive home run hitting ability. He's a guy who had the top ball uh, carrier times in the NFL again and again and again two years ago when he led the league in rushing by almost 500 yards. So that's a guy who's sort of a best friend to a rookie quarterback because he can end drives early. Uh, he can convert in the red zone where the field gets super, super tight and can condense your throws. And uh, he's also a guy who just takes volume in the run game, takes the hits away from Anthony Richardson, who has had injuries in college and high school when too much has been put upon him. And that's the entire dilemma of this entire situation is the Colts recognize that, which is why they're saying they're not going to trade him, why it's hard to, for other teams to meet the draft compensation to get them to even think about it. But yet this is still just a one-year value to them. They don't want to sign an extension beyond this year. And Taylor, of course, is looking at it and saying, you know, I'm not here to just, you know, be kind of a rented car for a year where you just run up the mileage and not give me any security and potentially get me injured again. And then what's my market next year or the franchise tagging again uh, or for the first time and keep them for another year of that. That's where, that's where the disagreement is really down to is both sides know how electric the on-field product can be, but neither side is anywhere close in terms of what to actually do about that with a contract. That's well said. Colts beat writer for the Indianapolis star, Nate Atkins joining us here on ESPN Radio. Nate, thank you so much for your time. Keep up the great work. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, let's go from the running backs to the wide receivers. There's one second-year wideout out there who says he's the best in the whole world, quote, end quote. Who was it, and is he even the best wide receiver in his draft class? Alongside Tyler Folger, Mom Joe Fortenball, this is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Happy Monday. Welcome to the show alongside Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save it at Progressive.com. Football season is upon us. Wide receivers are talking to the media. That means it's somewhat crazy season. <laughs> or is it? Wide receivers give you better quotes than anybody, save for Aaron Rodgers when he appears with our own Pat McAfee. Steelers wide receiver George Pickens, Georgia product, rookie last year, entering his second year, sat down and did an interview with The Ringer recently. Quote that stood out. The stuff that I do, bro, I feel like I'm the best in the whole world. Now, we're not going to sit here and say, well, George, here are all the reasons you're not. We're not going to bash the guy for the comment. We like it. I like the bravado. Mm -hmm. I like the confidence. George Pickens was great in his limited time at Georgia. He did have that injury late in his final season with the Bulldogs, so we didn't get to see everything he could do. But you're a fantasy mind, Mr. Folger. Yep. You're a gambling mind as well. Oh, yeah. You love the game. George Pickens is a guy you've talked about before. You hear these comments. What do you make of it for him and the Steelers? Yeah, George is wired differently. He's yeah. a unique cat. Um, he has a supreme belief about himself, and, you know, that does matter for some wide receivers, the T.O.s, the Randy Mosses of the world, things like that. I personally thought he should have been one of the first-round wide receivers last year, but the injury, some off-the-field stuff, had him drop to the Steelers in the second round. He went out immediately, though, as a Steeler and showed why he should have been a first-round pick. Had 800 yards, which was fourth in the class. Um, had maybe, outside of Justin Jefferson's catch against the Buffalo Bills, Pickens had that one-handed Odell Beckham oh Mike grab that I was probably that. the second-best catch of the entire season. So he showcased why wow, this dude is different. He is built different, bro. Some of those things <laughs> that he can do. Um, yeah, he's wrong. He's not the best wide receiver in the whole entire world. We could name 10 right now that are better than him. But I do think... He has a chance to be every bit as dynamic as Garrett Wilson already showed he is winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. And that was with Zach Wilson and Mike White throwing the yep. rock. As Chris Olave showed last year with the New Orleans Saints and now has a quarterback upgrade in Derek Carr. I'm expecting big things out of him. And Drake London showed with the Falcons. Even though they didn't have a quarterback who could throw the ball well, Drake London looked like an absolute baller. So those were all three first-round wide receivers. I think Pickens... If given the right opportunity by quarterback Kenny Pickett and offensive coordinator Matt Canada, could be could elevate himself into what Wilson and Olave have already done—a 1,000-yard receiver who is a certified playmaking machine, outstanding catches, and give you six, eight, seven touchdowns this season. There are a few rules I follow in general. I mean, I follow everything. Uncle Sam asked me to follow <laughs> Johnny Law, all those things. But in the NFL, if the Pittsburgh Steelers draft you oh. as a wide receiver, there's a reason to believe that you have talent. I, I can't think of an organization. If you want to hit us up, Triple Eight, say ESPN. But seriously, is there an organization out there who over the last, let's say, 15, 20 years has done a better job drafting no. wide receivers? Just some of the names I came up with. Heinz Ward, Antonio Brown. Crazy, yes. Yes. But highly Good productive. Also, yes. Emmanuel Sanders, 
Mike Wallace, Santonio Holmes, Plaxico Burris. Yep. Now, they also yep. knew when to get rid of a lot of these right. guys at the right time. But that said, they have identified a ton of wide receiver talent over the years, and they've hit on a lot of it. George Pickens could be the latest in that line. So he's playing with Kenny Pickett last year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's you know the acclimation period when you're a rookie. I'll sit back and I'll wait. I'll sit back and I'll wait. If you're going to develop like that, there was a lot of hype for him at Georgia. The problem was he got hurt that last year. Yeah, he he has always been an elite, you know, talent in terms of size, skill, speed. From five-star Uber recruit going to Georgia, playing well there outside of the injuries. Remember, he came back in a national championship game and had an amazing, like, 50-yard diving catch uh, before he went to the pros. And then last year, again, showcased that elite, you know, top, 1% 1% of the 1% ability to make the Odell Beckham type catches, you know, the Justin Jefferson type catches. So he has to refine some things with his game, his route running, his just ability to understand and read coverages alongside the quarterback. He can, he's certainly not the best in the world in regards to those things, but in terms of overall just gifts, God given gifts you're bringing to the position, he is up there. He's long, he's 6'3, he's got size, 210, he's got the low 4'4, mid 4'4 speed, and obviously the hands speaker themselves with those catches he made. So I like Pickens. I am bullish on him. There's still Deontay Johnson. They're still prep fire move. They bring in Allen Robinson. There's still Najee Harris. So there is mouths to feed. Can Kenny Pickett do that? Will this offense be better? We'll see, but I think Pickens has a bright future in this league if he keeps his head on straight and keeps progressing. The Steelers are a fascinating team because they're always good. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of the de- at the end of the day, worst case scenario as a Steelers fan is you're good. That's a pretty nice place to play. Now I know as a Steelers fan, you probably get upset that for so many years you couldn't get by Belichick and the Patriots. A lot of people didn't get by <laughs> Belichick and the Patriots. It's okay, but the reality is they're always good. It's a great organization to root for because you're always good. Kenny Pickett takes that next step. It looks like they could be formidable this year, and yet no one wants to talk about it because you got Joe Burrow in the Bengals. you got Lamar Jackson now newly minted with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, some feel, you and I have talked about this on Daily Wager, weeknights ESPN2, 6, 7 p.m. Eastern. Boom, that's how you plug, that they could be the dark horse if Watson can find his form again. And yet here's the Steelers. Picked to finish last in the division and yet good every year. Mike Tomlin's never been under 500 in his, what, 16 years coaching, which is Incredible. just remarkable. To not have just one bad year where everything went wrong due well, to injury. They've had that. He's had to. He's had to get through seasons with Duck Hodges playing quarterback, with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback, and he has done those things. Tomlin is, there's a saying in Pittsburgh, Steelers fans know it, the standard is the standard. And Mike Tomlin is amongst the standard in modern NFL coaching. The guy does everything right in the media. He does everything right in the locker room. Supreme motivator. Very good X and O. He is the the mold, the epitome of what you want in an NFL head coach. So I trust that the Steelers are going to win eight, nine, well, I'll say nine because they never finish under 500. So in the modern 17, <laughs> I trust they're going to win at least nine games. And maybe if Pickett and Pickens progress with that offense, offensive line, they could be a 10-11 win team that is in the wild card hunt or even threatening for AFC North supremacy. So, uh, again, when it comes down to Pickens, when it comes down to this team, I'm bullish. For as far as the team, it's because of Tomlin. With Pickens, it's that athletic ability. I think he has as much as any amongst the wide receivers that were taken last year. And, Joe, when you look at the list of wide receivers that were taken last year and how they started their careers, we have those classes, the 1996 wide receiver class, the 2013 wide receiver class. I wonder if the 2022 wide receiver class 
in 10, 15 years is going to be remembered similarly. It starts with Garrett Wilson, played all 17 games for the Jets last year, won Offensive Rookie of the Year, 83 grabs, 1,103 yards, four touchdowns. You go to Chris Olave, his teammate at Ohio State, only played 15 games but had 72 grabs for just over 1,000 yards and four scores. Drake London in Atlanta, quarterback situation right. was dicey, 866 yards, four touchdowns. And then you had Pickens who finished behind these guys in every category. Right. Targets, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. 52 grabs, 801 yards, I think TDs. your guy Jahan Dotson from Ohio State's really, really good. But again, that's a quarterback situation in Washington. So what do you do of these four? How would you power rank them quickly going in the next year, fantasy perspective? Wilson, Olave, London, Pickens. So Pickens is still fourth? Yeah, he's still fourth. Too many mouths to feed. <laughs> okay, but that's fair. That's more than fair. All right, that's an interesting point. We'll have more on that throughout the course of the show and the week because it's that time of year, previewing fantasy gambling and everything in between Aaron Rodgers took a huge pay cut I don't know if you've heard about it yet to play for the Jets but his reasoning could have you even more excited if you're a Jets fan this is Joe and Amber alongside Tyler Folger mom Joe Fordenbaugh on ESPN radio the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80 this is the Joe and Amber podcast Aaron Rodgers has reworked his contract with the New York Jets. They came to an agreement. He signs a new two-year, $75 million guaranteed contract through the 2024 season. This is a $35 million voluntary pay cut that Aaron Rodgers has offered to the Jets. It's a sign that he plans to play there the next two years. Again, anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year. But I'm having a blast, so I don't really see this as a one-year-and-done thing. Okay, we got to break down these comments. Alongside Tyler Folgem, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Aaron Rodgers speaking with Peter King about a variety of things. One quote popped out, and I think people are looking at it the wrong way. They're slicing it from one angle. They should be slicing it from a completely different angle. Here's the quote. Big names move at the trade deadline now. I wanted to make sure that if somebody valuable came available, we'd be able to get him. I'm very happy with the contract. I feel great about it. End quote. That's Aaron Rodgers speaking to Peter King on his $35 million pay cut. So a lot of people look at that and it's like, we get it. We get You've been telling us all about the pay cut. You're so noble. You're so wonderful. We get it. This, that, the other. It, that's a message. To me, it feels like he's sending a message right there. It's very easy if you want to bring up the pay cut and you want to say something like, yeah, I just wanted to put us in a position where we could have more money to spend on talent. But he specifically said, big names move at the trade deadline now. I wanted to make sure that if somebody valuable came available, we'd be able to get him. Do you think he is referencing a specific somebody or a certain big name that could possibly be available Well, at this trade deadline? I mean, who... <laughs> Who would be the first name that would come to everyone's mind? We'll open it up to the callers if you want to get involved. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. If Rodgers is speaking to somebody, who is it? Are we all thinking the same name? Devontae Adams? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, right? Like, Adams is playing for the Raiders right now. It didn't go very well last year. It feels like he went to the Raiders with an expectation. That expectation wasn't really met. He's got the four-year, $160 million deal but it also feels like he wants to compete and like Garoppolo's the quarterback now. They don't they traded away Darren Waller. They, they're not paying Josh Jacobs. They're moving in an interesting direction. Maybe they have a plan, but it doesn't feel like he's all that excited. I uh, agree and we know that Rodgers loves Devontae Adams yes. and Adams loves him and 
you know, I'd have to look at specifics of the contract uh, and what Adams is owed and whether or not it would be. Okay, we'll split that at me. So his cap hit this year is $14.7 million. That's quite reasonable. Quite reasonable. You wouldn't even be absorbing all of it because presumably you'd be trading for him midway through the season. Next year, that number does jump to about $25 million. There is an out for the Raiders down the line because you have to worry about dead cap charges to the Raiders and figuring all this out. But I went back and was looking at an article that talked about how if they were to trade him this offseason, they could wait until after June 1st and they could do the cap charge of $7.8 million this year and then $23 million next year, which is lofty. But but if they're not spending a ton, especially not on Garoppolo. Right. No, I I, listen. Rodgers already brought Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb with him to New York from Green Bay. And we know the his favorite wide receiver he's ever worked with there is wearing silver and black. And I expect the silver and black to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. And come the trade deadline, be looking to stockpile assets in exchange for a player like Adams and a rebuild. So I didn't, until today, after you said it, Joe, think about this for one second. But now it makes way too much sense. And I think Rodgers is this calculated that he would say, all right, I am taking this pay cut, and if Devontae Adams is available, you do whatever is necessary to bring him here, and I will get you that Super Bowl that you so desperately desire. I mean, the irony of him spending all that time in Green Bay and, like, every year seemingly complaining (laughs) about how he's not getting any help. The Packers decide, you know what, we're done with this guy. He's in some dark hole somewhere. We can't get in touch with him. No one's phones apparently work where he lives in Malibu. (laughs) I'd have to imagine those rich people have no idea how to have cell phone service. And... They just decide to move on, and then suddenly you have the Jets who, let's be honest, you're going all in yeah, here. Yeah. If he's not only coming to town, but he's taking a $35 million pay cut, you don't have the opportunity to sit back and go, well, you know, we got to think about next year and two years down the road. you got to act now. He wants to do what Brady did. He wants to win now. So you got to figure <laughs> when he tells them, look, uh-huh. I'm going to take this pay cut, he obviously has the ability to look Woody Johnson, the owner, the GM, the coach. He can look any of them in the eye and say – I expect, not I hope, but I expect that with this pay cut, you will do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And by the right thing, it's I'm going to tell you what we need down the line and you're going yeah. to buy it. I mean, if you're the they, Jets, why would you say no? They've done that so far. Again, bringing in 90-year-old Randall Cobb, bringing in an Alan Lazard, who, again, has been you know a serviceable wide receiver in terms of being available. He's a good blocker in the run game. But, I mean, like he's not moving the needle alongside a Garrett Wilson. Devontae Adams, that's a different story. He has been one of the best wide receivers in the game for the past half decade. He's been a beast. He's been absolutely unstoppable. And he, he was, was last year. Last year he was Rogers. great last year with a... a Quarterback who is good in Derek Carr, but certainly not to the level of an Aaron Rodgers. So whether it be a Devontae Adams or whether they have an injury on the, you know, defensive line or on the offensive line, they now have the requisite ammunition to go make a play that fortifies this roster for this year and maybe potentially a 2024 for Aaron Rodgers because I kind of think he is not just doing one and done here. I think he's going to enjoy the season with the Jets. I think he's going to enjoy being in a new environment kind of be like refreshing for him. And I think he'll have at least two more seasons, 2023 included, um, that he is playing in the NFL. And if they bring Devontae Adams or someone of that ilk and at the trade deadline this year, then spin that, spin that one step forward from the Raider perspective. If the Raiders are at a point in the season where they're trading Devontae Adams to the Jets, the new organization, which is now going to be entering year two, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Like, this is, they were kind of supposed, I mean, when Mark moved the team, Mark Davis, the owner, moved the team down here from the Bay Area, the opening season at the brand new stadium, it was the COVID year, Mm -hmm. 
there was a rule in Nevada where they could have some fans in there, but he said, and I always thought this was awesome of him, no, until – I'm not going in there yeah. until all the fans right. can go in there. So he didn't even attend a, t- a game there. It was awesome. But it's been a few years now. You've been here for a few years. He would like to put a winner out there. He's not going to be ultra patient. He's not one of the wealthiest of the owners, so it's tough to eat all these contracts. But at the same time, you just watched the Golden Knights win a Stanley Cup. You're an NFL franchise getting lapped by the local hockey team. And that doesn't happen anywhere. Like, where does that happen? Even in New York, the Rangers aren't going to lap the Giants or the Yanks, and the Rangers are beloved there. In Chicago, you were around at the Mm -hmm. time the Blackhawks were going crazy in the Midwest. You're not going to beat out the Bears or the Cubbies if they're playing well. So, I mean, you got to figure. I I, I can't imagine them being – I can imagine them being poor enough, bad enough to want to trade him, but if you do that, what faith does the owner have in the plan? Well, I mean, I I do think that they kind of need a rebuild. They've already – They've already done away with the Derek Carr experiment, the the Derek Carr era. I mean, they had some high points, but it certainly never, ever reached what Raider fans wanted, whether they're in the Bay Area or in Las Vegas. And Jimmy Garoppolo is not the future. He's not the answer. He's a stopgap. He is what was left over after Carr decided he wanted to be elsewhere. And so now you have some high-level players like a Devontae, like a Josh Jacobs, like a Max Crosby. Those are elite elite players at their position, but it does not look like a team that's going to be able to contend, especially in that division where you have the Super Bowl champs, you have Justin Herbert, and you have Sean Payton now, who has been one of the better coaches in the league. So I see this like you as they're going to face a harsh reality come whatever October, November, when the trade deadline is, that if they want for what what is best for the organization's future, they sell off some of those premium assets for draft capital, for relief in the salary cap, and try and start from scratch. What will end up being worse when we look back on it in 100 years, assuming we haven't destroyed ourselves, which we know we will, <laughs> yes, with right. artificial intelligence? Um, and I'm kidding, everyone. Just just take it easy. The Being a Bills, Jets, or Dolphins fan in the Patriot, Brady, Belichick era, mm-hmm. or being a Chargers, Raiders, Broncos mm-hmm. fan in the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era? Right, let me ask chat GPT. Yeah, just answer. plug it right in there. Get the artificial uh, intelligence. The first time I ever used that thing, I tried to get it to predict what would happen yeah. in a game that night. And it was like, I'm sorry, I am not here to predict sporting events. I was like, then what good are you? What good are you? Well, there's got to be some use out there for it. Writing a, a, a John Deere letter to or a breakup letter. Maybe you could do that if, if needed or uh, help you out with your resume or something like there that. There are there's people out be... there using it for like their work, but they should not <laughs> right. be using it for their work. It is fascinating. I'm not going to name Names. Listen, okay, people have tried for since the dawn of time to find shortcuts for their vocation, for their work. So, I mean, come on, companies. You had to expect once yeah. AI went, you know, mainstream that your employees were going to use it to their advantage. Don't be shocked by that. They're becoming more efficient workers for you, okay? They're freeing up time in their day to do other things. Um, we really spiraled out of control here <laughs> is what I'm realizing. I, I will say probably being an AFC East yeah. fan. Um, you would have to be remarkable, and the Chiefs have been remarkable, but you could have to be so much more remarkable for so much longer to do what the and, Patriots did and how they tormented those fans. But bases. let's look at the look at the fan bases, like the Bills fan base is rabid and the heartache they've had. Yeah. Jets fans, they're pretty rabid as any New York you know fan bases, and they've had a lot of heartache in their time. And then you have um, Miami fans who, you know, Think about what they have, <laughs> what they've had to deal with post Don Shula and Dan Marino only going to one Super Bowl. Then you look in the AFC East; it's like you have Raider fans who are kind of vagabonds. You have Charger Chargers. Do they have fans? Do the Chargers Charger fans organization the have fans? They're the vagabonds. Um, yeah. 
Broncos fans are legit. There's no doubt about yeah. that. But I, I think the kind of um, con- the the overall heartache is heavier in the AFC East because they care a little bit more than some of the fan bases in the AFC West. Though I do think Mahomes is going to match or exceed what Brady did in his career. He's that good. Glad we got to the bottom of that. Now, speaking of the Jets, how are they going to fare this upcoming season with their new Hall of Fame QB? We sliced out the hypotheticals of what could happen at the deadline, but it's time to break the team down as the two-a-days here at ESPN continue. He's Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fornball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. NFL two-a-days continue with the New York Jets alongside Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, and it's presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. All right, let's do this. Everyone at ESPN Radio is going through two-a-days. They're slicing it their own way. Let's slice it our way. We're the gambling guys. We host Daily Wager. Weeknights, ESPN2. 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. So I'm going to give you everything you need to know about the Jets from a pricing standpoint. You tell me what you'd bet. 16 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. 9 to 1 to win the AFC. Plus 250 to win the AFC East. Now that means a $100 wager would return $250 in profit. To give you perspective on the division, the Bills are the favorites at plus 125. The Jets are second at plus 250. Dolphins third plus 300. Patriots fourth. Man, have they fallen. Eight to one win total. Right. You can bet over under nine and a half wins for the New York Jets. And then there's also will they or won't they make the playoffs? Will they? Yes. Minus 140. It's the favorite. Won't they? Plus 120 underdog. So you've got everything to choose from Super Bowl, conference, division, playoffs, win total. What would you do? Not a huge fan of the prices on winning the conference in the Super Bowl, even though I do believe they have a Super Bowl caliber roster i think they could but that's very much within the realm okay. of possible outcomes for this team my favorite way to bet them would be to win the afc east okay look at Getting that over them, buffalo huh? yeah over buffalo before this last week joe my one of my favorite bets in the nfl was the dolphins to win the division. You don't have to tell me. You crammed that down my throat for two months, and I'm very upset we're not even getting to week one before we're moving off this. Now Jalen Ramsey is hurt, and that's, that's a big know, issue. New information. Because that was part of what made me so confident in this team. So now I'd rather pivot some of that confidence and money I've invested onto the Jets. And we were just talking about what could be possible for them at the trade deadline uh, and the money that's been freed up by Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I, would ra- I, I respect the Bills. I like the Bills. But I want to bet on one of these other teams that sitting at nine and a half, is their win total and say that this is a year where the Bills get knocked off, where they kind of come back down to earth. I won't be surprised at all if the Bills win, but the pricing on the Jets, plus 250, is that what you told me? Yeah, plus 250. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take a plus 250, 2.5x return on investment uh, for them to win the division. So by proxy, yes, I think they're going to go over nine and a half wins, and yes, I think they're going to make the playoffs. See, I thought Miami was intriguing. The odds were way worse earlier. They were like plus three. 50. They're yeah. down to plus 300, yeah. even though Ramsey's hurt. Right. The pricing has been affected, and There's it's a just... a lot to like. Like, if Tua stays oh, healthy, man. the offense is great, the defense is getting better, considering where they line up against everybody, nobody seems to like Buffalo. Nobody no seems to like the Buffalo Bills. How much of this Allen Diggs drama that's been taking place affects that? Because it feels like something's off, and I hate that because I think they'd be a great bet if something wasn't off right now. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like something is amiss, and this would not be the first time Stephon Diggs has kind of grown tired of his role within an offense. That's what helped get him shipped out of Minnesota. Um, Again, 
Offense is awesome because Josh Allen is there. Defense should be really good. Again, this year with Sean McDermott back on the headset calling the plays. Von Miller coming back. Some of the investments they've made in the draft and in free agency have panned out in recent years. So I respect the Bills, and I think it's fair to install them as the favorite. I just think this is going to be a really tight division with three really good teams capable of winning 10 or more games. So I'll take the better ROI on a team now, after the Ramsey injury, like the Jets, that is healthy, has a quarterback that can mitigate their biggest concern, which is offensive line. Great quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers don't get sacked, even if their offensive line stinks, because they can get the ball out so quickly and find a spot or soft spot in the defense. So I think the Jets are a team I want to bet on now in that division, despite it being a difficult schedule, because, Joe, I do think they are going to week one at home as an underdog against the Bills win that game outright. All right, so let's talk schedule here. I'm going to run through it for you, and then we'll play the win-loss game. We're just going to do the first six weeks. They go on the bye week seven. Here's what the Jets' opening six games look like. It's not pretty. Monday night hosting Buffalo week one. Week two at Dallas to take on the Cowboys. Week three hosting the New England Patriots. Week four hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Sunday night football. Week five, at the Denver Broncos. Week six, you come home to host the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay? So give me the win-loss. We're going to play that game. I'm just going to name it. You tell me if it's a win or a loss. Week one, home against Buffalo. Win. Week two, at Dallas. Loss. Week three, hosting New England. Win. Week four, hosting Kansas City. Loss. Ooh, you almost thought, okay. Week five, at Denver. Win. Week six, hosting Philly. Loss. Three and three at the bye. Good enough? Good enough. Good enough. Good enough because then after that, Giants, Chargers, Raiders. I mean, you can beat the Giants. You can beat the Raiders, although those are on the road. You'd have to go to Buffalo, which is going to be tough. Here's where the schedule gets real easy for them in December. Atlanta at home. Houston at home. Don't sleep on the Texans. That's a joke. Sleep on the Texans. (laughs) Sleep on the Texans for five more years. There are two games in December that are divisional at Miami, Mm -hmm. but it's it's in December, so it's not the the heat. And then you finish the season at New England, who I think they're just a superior team to. In between that, you have Washington at home, and then a tough road game, I think, against Cleveland. But I think down the stretch in December, you have one, two, three, four games where you're going to be favored. The only one in which you wouldn't is at Cleveland and at Miami potentially, but maybe they are. So I think this is a team that can get to 10, 11 wins, compete for the AFC East. It's going to be tough to start, but if they get there three and three, four and two to start the season, you're oh four and two, you're Green all the is going nuts. You're at the all bye. the rage. You're four and two at the bye. You've gotten through the meat of the schedule. You come off the bye. Presumably you take out the Giants. You host the Chargers Monday night. You never know with them. The Chargers will beat the Chiefs in Kansas City, and then they'll lose at home to Houston. You never know with them. I do look at that Raider game, and I, at Raiders, first thing I think is, yeah, that's a win. Just kidding. My God, the Jets fans out here are going to be everywhere. <laughs> well, Tyler and I are here in Las Vegas. Come on out. We'd love to drink with you. We can't wait to see you. <laughs> that Week 9 game against the Chargers, that is a Monday night home game followed by a Sunday road game. So it's a short turnaround there. Just keep that in mind that they're going to turn around quickly for a Sunday night game in Las Vegas against the Raiders, but man, that game's going to be good. Man, that game. There's a lot of potential. They're four and two. My yeah, God. If they're four three and, and three two, is fine, I think. Uh, Greeny is doing the first 30 minutes on Get Up about, about the Jets. I do think it's possible. Again, I said three and three, but I think they can go to Dallas and get a win. I think the two hardest games are going to be home games, but they are home games in what is a pretty good home environment. It's a fat. This. this, this this, this this is going to be the story of the year. We're going to be on the Jets the whole year. Jets fans, congratulations to the rest of You've us. You've hijacked the NFL. Oh, my goodness. You have done it. That's Aaron Rodgers in a nutshell. All right, he's Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fornball. You've been listening to Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Thank you 
so much for your time this evening. We great, greatly appreciate it. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up next with two of my favorites, Matt Jones and Myron Metcalf. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you for listening to ESPN Radio. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.